Hey now, and welcome to Where Wine Takes You, where we hang out, have some not-so-serious conversations about wine. Like, you're not going to get a whole lot of, hmm, I taste baked cedar spices, black currant, and overdried rose petals, yeah? No, no, no. Not so much. But you're going to get to know the people behind this magic juice we called wine. And the place that's making it more exciting than anyone else I know of, than any other place I know of. And that is Paso Robles Wine Country. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. And today we got a fun show. We're titling it Young Guns with Young Ones. I like that. We're going to talk to uh, two young men, young dads, young businessmen who balance their love for their wine and their brands while having young businesses, young kids. And what's cool about both these guys we're talking to today, family runs deep in their brands in different ways. So it'll be exciting to chat it up. You may need a padded number two pencil to take notes and some flow charts because there is a lot to keep up with. All the familial connections we will get through today, it's going to be a lot of fun. Before our conversation, I want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also share with a friend. I love people hitting me up on either Insta or wherever saying they are digging the podcast. It means so much. But some of these reviews are just insane. A couple new ones. You have no idea how this makes us all feel and how you make my day when you take time to drop a five-star rating and jot down a little review like this one, which is so good, so perfect. I had to share it with you. This is from TXEX79, wrote this. I just returned from my bucket list PCH road trip, celebrating my retirement and 65th birthday, which included a detour to Paso Robles. Had I not discovered Adam and the Where Wine Takes You podcast, I would have never even known about Paso. Listening to Adam and his guests, their knowledge, passion, and pride for the area and the wine they are producing led me solely to focus on Paso Robles as the wine destination of my itinerary. As soon as I heard Bob and Maggie Tillman of Alta Kalina Wines describing the summit tasting, or Eric Jensen of Booker Wines, his homage to, quote, his favorite neighbor, or Justin Baldwin's commitment to lead not only for the sake of his brand, but for the sake of the area, and Daniel Dow's grit and determination to, quote, not chase the money, but chase the passion. I was on my way. Throw in Il Cortile, La Petite Canaille, and Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue, and my trip was set. Oh, man, I love this. Thank you, Adam, for making my Cali journey so memorable. Without you and where wine takes you, I would have never had such a memorable experience well beyond my expectations. I already long to return. In the meantime, I will continue to anxiously anticipate and enjoy your next episode. Cheers. Well, I wish I knew your name, but TXEX79, this review was just everything. Uh, Your 65th birthday, happy birthday, happy retirement. And the fact that you took a detour to Paso because of this podcast and had the time of your life makes my heart feel so full. Thank you for taking the time to write and to talk about some of these great different shows that you remember and to hit up those great restaurants. Man, you ate good when you were here. Did you hear that? La Petite Canaille, Il Cortile, and Jeffrey's Wine Country Barbecue? Damn. TXEX79. I will say this. Cheers and hope to uh, clink glasses with you one day in real life for sure. I mean, if that's not what it's all about, I have another review I'm going to get to next episode, but keep them coming, keep them coming and keep sharing where wine takes you. And thank you for becoming part of the fastest growing wine podcast in the country. All right. Before we get into today's convo, don't forget our travel Paso spotlight is just after our conversation. And I will say this, I chose this place in an effort to help make you and I 
more cultured. So that's all I will say right now. It's been a place downtown I have loved for many years, and I'm excited to share it with you after our chat. Okay, on to today's show. Like we said, Young Guns with Young Ones. We have two great guys on today's show representing two, actually three great brands. Arnaud Fabre is uh, of Binom Wines. His brother Guillaume was featured back in one of our most popular episodes. I want to say episode 19. We called it the French Connection. We featured Guillaume of uh, Closelin and Binom with Stefan Aseo of L'Aventure. So Arnaud and Guillaume have their brotherly brand, Binom Wines. They are in Tin City. They do some unconventional and high-end blends that just stop you in your tracks. They are so good. There's a lot of familial connections that thread through here, so I'm excited to dice it all out. Also, taste these wines because it has been a minute, and their wines are really, really good. With our note today, we will hang out with Drew Ninao of Ninao Family Wines. I first met Drew a few years ago. Great guy. By day, he is the winemaker and production manager at Onyx Wines. Also in Tin City, Onyx makes some great wines, some fantastic blends. Their rosé, called Indie, it's like a cult phenomenon. But Drew has a brand he does with his family, including his sister and brother-in-law, called Ninao Family Wines, that I just recently tried and was like, damn. Ricky over there at Ninao came into the studio for something on The Crush a couple months ago, and I had never tried these wines before, and I was blown away. They are so, so good. So I'm pumped. We're going to be tasting them again and hopefully more of them. I show up to meet the guys in Tin City, which we've talked about on a few different episodes with some different people on the show before. But Tin City, man, is a one-of-a-kind place. It's industrial. It's cool. It's got something for everyone. Literally, beer, spirits, cocktails, incredible wine. Shoot, even award-winning olive oil. No doubt, if you have not been to Tin City or visited anyone in there, you need to. I show up to Beanham. I have Georgie with me. A lot of good feedback on some of the pics with him while I've been recording some of these shows. And now people are asking about Georgie a little bit more, which is funny. He's really well-behaved, cute little scruffy dog specimen. He's like, uh, he's just one of a kind. I had a lab for 13 and a half years, and it took me five years to really get around to being able to kind of like open up again. And, you know, this needed to be a special dog, and Georgie just is. He reminds me kind of of like Benji and the dog that... Steve Martin had in The Jerk. Remember Shithead? All salam. There's no fire. Hey, mister, don't call that dog lifesaver. No. Call him Shithead. Good. Shithead. Anyway, it's one of my favorite movies. If not my favorite movie, it's a classic. But that's what Georgie looks like, and that's what he reminds me of. You can see pics of him on my Insta, also at Adam on the Air. And yes, I brought Georgie to this episode. So we are in the VIP room, which has a long tasting table. One whole wall is like a glass walk-in library. Super beautiful room. And the table is stacked with super beautiful wines. Let's go. Give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. You guys we know each other hang well, out, but we are friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. I but think misery loves company because we both have uh, small children and small businesses. So. That's right. <laughs> With a lot of misery and pain there. Yeah, <laughs> not a lot of sleep. No, uh, how old is your littlest one? Uh, two, just turned two. God bless. Mm-hmm. And are you expecting another? Oh God, 
No? <laughs> that, even you just saying that gave me chills. Okay. How are you going to step? I was like, am I? <laughs> Please, no. You going to step by one? Oh, we have two. Oh, you have two. Oh, oh you yeah, just yeah, had, yeah. okay, because yeah. I was reading your yeah. bio, mm-hmm. and it talked about expecting another, so that's, that bio must have been must a little be bit old. outdated. Yeah. Okay. So our youngest is two, and Nora, our older one, is uh, three. three Arno, what about you and Chloe? Uh, three and a half, a boy. Wow. Arthur and uh, eight months old uh, Louis. Oh man! Yeah. And we, uh, my wife, really hoped for a third one, and she really hoped for a girl. <laughs> yeah, and there's no. I mean, that, that's not coming up soon at all, right? Should I no, no, no. We are eight months. Uh, you know, we're gonna wait a few years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Years, yeah, bit, you think yeah. you are, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely want to talk about that dynamic because I mean, as you know, Drew noted, it definitely throws a layer of chaos and and joy and fun, but you know, stress onto the whole situation. And both of your brands really envelop uh, this idea of family and familial connection and. It's threaded through both of your brands. And honestly, it's like, we're going to have to have like a flow chart with both of your brands, because especially your, you are no, because it's like this person, yeah. and that person over here and this person. I mean, so we'll get to all that. So when someone's done listening to this, not only are they going to have a, you know, a better understanding of Binom and of uh, Ninao, but also they're going to, you know, it's fun when you get to go to a place and drink and taste and get all about it. And you get to understand like the, the, the family and the people behind it. I mean, it really makes you, I swear to God, it makes the wine taste better. Yeah. I mean, what kind of product can you sit down and know not only what the product is and what went into the grape growing side of it, but also what's behind the makers and it's so closely connected. Yeah. Let's talk about the rosé for a second. Yeah. This is our rosé of Grenache. I believe it's the same source that you guys have for Grenache for uh, your rosé. Uh, Wolf. Uh, John Rolf. Yeah. Yep. 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 I love that French. Yeah. <laughs> you say wolf? They got a different word for everything, okay. I tell you. I, I did spend about a week before this being very nervous about my Southern California accent against your silky smooth <laughs> French voice. A lot of anxiety. Yeah, that must have been. You came here for, I was reading your bio too, like you literally came here because of, of Chloe, like you followed her over here? Or? Yeah, uh, I mean, the, it's a very long story. Uh, you know, Stéphane and Beatrice from L'Aventure, who uh, arrived here in in the, in the 98 and then Guillaume my brother uh, started an internship at L'Aventure in, uh, in 04 and uh, in 2008 he got married back in Bordeaux and he invited Stefan and Beatrice and the kids and that's pretty much how I started making I mean talking to Chloe even though I was very shy at that moment so I didn't really approach her uh, sure. so she's by all accounts a French woman but she was living here yeah she and was she was just in, back for a wedding yeah, yeah. wow so she, then, she was born in, uh, in uh, Libourne in Bordeaux next to Bordeaux yeah uh, and then she uh, moved out of Bordeaux uh, when she was four, four to six and then she was, they were coming for vacation uh, every year and so Guillaume got married in 08 so they took advantage of it and uh, came to Bordeaux and uh, have vacation and that's how I started uh, you know yeah that's uh, my Chloe uh, yeah and so uh, and so then in a year later I came here to just learn English you know just do an internship was Guillaume like hey look I work at La Ventura with his dad with her dad he was you better not mess it. this up he was you better it. not screw this at up at the wedding he's like oh good dance wizard you better you know, <laughs> you. <laughs> he was pushing it that's so great so you come over here to come be with her and to live out here mm-hmm. so I came here in uh, 08 and 09 I worked at Justin on a production as an internship and uh, we started hanging out and then in 2011 she came back to France with me uh, while she was working in Paris I was finishing my studies in, uh, in Bordeaux and so we were you know going back and forth together Yeah. and then in uh, 2013 uh, we decided to uh, 
to to move back to uh, to pass so especially for her she wanted to be back to the states and me uh, beside the attachment with the family properties i didn't have anything that really excited me in france you know so i said you know what let's try it you know and so how many properties your family have out there because you you had a, you had something in borg yeah in borg where you went yeah uh, you know and we sold it a few years really later you know? yeah so yeah. we did a cork dorks uh time with ama waterways and went to bordeaux yeah. and your dad picked us up in his in his little Audi yeah. at the, the waterfront right there, <laughs> drove us back up to the chateau, and it was it was a day I'll never, ever forget. I, I mean, bet. it was super real. Like, we got in the back of this, like, little car with, like, barely any seats in the back, and we interviewed him, and he was a little bit, he was a little uncomfortable with his English, yeah. which yeah. I thought was fine, yeah. but he was a little uncomfortable with it, so he only wanted to answer questions in French, which yeah. makes airing the interview here almost next to impossible. The, the, the American accent. You know, he talked French with American accent. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cool just to drive through the vineyard rows yeah. with him and to be there. And, you know, you had like a, a yellow Labrador, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really cool place. I still have a bottle of wine yeah, from yeah. from there. So we saw that property, uh, you know, this property and the market in Europe is completely different. You know, in Bordeaux, there's a lot of producers, a lot of competitions. This property needed a lot of investments. And the kind of the, I mean, I have a sister who is not on the wine, but my two other brothers are on the wine, Guillaume. Nicola, I don't know if you met him. Last, uh, last time he went, he uh, got a super good offer at Petrus uh, mm-hmm. back in t- 2007 or eight. So he told my parents, I'm sorry, but I can't leave this out. And so me, I'm like, uh, you know, uh, let me follow my love. And uh, if that works great, if it doesn't work out, uh, you know, I come back, you know. Yeah. And so uh, we did the move and since then I'm here. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. What a story. Yeah. Do you miss France? I do miss it. You know, France is a great country. Uh, to, li- to live, it's a little bit harder. Uh, you know, here the lifestyle is much better. To visit, obviously, it's an awesome country. We just got back like a week ago. So. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Where'd you go? So we went to Bordeaux for 10 days to see my father. And then we went to see Stephen and Beatrice in Cadaqués, they bought a house. Uh, so it's in north uh, east of Spain, uh, next to Barcelona. Oh. And uh, we spent 10 days over there and uh, spent some time with my mother and my sister and got back. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That was cool. so beautiful. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Travel with kids? Yeah. 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 Brutal, huh? Yeah, just give it some <laughs> True, wine. just like never. <laughs> what you know, was uh, were there a lot of tourists there? Was there not a lot of tourists there? Or what? Uh, he was not crazy. He was, uh, but he was not crazy as usual. Yeah. But when you go over there, you don't really even like kind of. You're not looked at as a tourist. You don't feel like you're a tourist. It's like no. going home for you. No, because you know all the places. You go to your favorite spot. You go to uh, your favorite butcher. You know cheese shop and mm-hmm. all that. Grab as much as you can, feed yourself, and you do the same thing two hours later for dinner. You know, so, right? So now it's uh, it's kind of unusual. We kind of did a low key this time. We wanted to relax. You know, with two kids going to places, places uh, you don't want to travel too much. Right. With the bed yeah. and all of that. So we did three three to four spots, and uh, we did easy. You bring home butter. No people like will bring home butter. In the airport, I've met people. They'll be like, unzip their backpacks. Yeah, there's no, like I mean, I, I, I ask. Uh, <laughs> well, I you can leave it on the counter. So I mean, I guess yeah. it doesn't have to be refrigerated. But yeah, but Julian can get some pretty good stuff. So I bet. Yeah, well, there you go. Good supplier. That's another connection yeah. we have to get into. Yeah. It's a crazy uh, family web here. You guys have like your own ancestry.com spreadsheet that we got to whip. That's out. how our members call us, the French Essentious uh, Mafia. Yeah, know. right. Yeah, the French connection. <laughs> uh, Ninao is interesting because you, your your sister. 
your older sister? Yeah. So she's having a baby, and you guys oh, were uh, in the, the the hospital, and you were chatting about just like making this dream come true. And it ended up Ninao Family Wines, which you do with your sister, your brother-in-law, and then, of course, your wife. And, and you guys have this family winery. Yeah, I drove up to the Bay Area. She was having her second. This was Sam, their only boy. They have two daughters, and and Sam's the middle. And I drove up there real quick and met them at the hospital. And Tracy and my brother-in-law, Mike, are entrepreneurs by spirit and completely self-employed for as long as I've known them. And they were always looking for the next thing. They're always looking for the next wrinkle. And But it was something that they really laid their heart on and really wanted to do with longevity was this wine project. It's like, babe, your brother's a winemaker. <laughs> Let's go. Well, and it goes and deeper a good than one. that, too. Um, we grew up in a winemaking family. I'm a second-generation That's winemaker. That's right. Your dad did it, too, huh? Mm-hmm. That's I, pretty cool. I would say my dad and I learned together. I was a teenager when he started his brand um, in 2002. Uh, but it was my aunt and uncle who we really laid and and really learned from through the time. So they started a winery in the early 90s in, in Napa Valley, and they, I mean, they got to live through the Robert Parker era wow. of Napa and build up a boutique winery in that time, which was really exciting. And what's that one called? So they had a partner at the time and the, the brand was called Barons and Hitchcock. Uh-huh. And they rode that partnership for, for a long time. And when they eventually parted ways with Bob Hitchcock, um, they changed the name to Barons Family Winery. And my aunt also worked up a partnership with uh, Francoise Pichon, who is a very famous uh, Napa Valley winemaker, to start a brand called Drinkward Pichon. Wow. They've been busy. But uh, prior to that, they were restaurant owners, restaurateurs in Arcata in Humboldt County um, because my my aunt had been classically trained in cuisine in uh, Paris. Cool. Went to school there and uh, learned French and, and we grew up eating her amazing food. So this family, like for, you know, in a lot of different webs has hospitality written all over it. Yeah. And just a really hardcore boutique winery, just passion. So you and your dad are seeing what his brother and uncle are doing, right? And then he comes out with Robert Nino Wines. And then you're like, well, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to do this. You're doing it with your sister and brother-in-law, Nino Family Wines. Is, is your dad still doing it or what? I would call him a honorary consultant. He, <laughs> oh, yes. He'll chime in a little bit. No, I, think, I love working with him. Uh-huh. The fact of the matter is he, he had been working for IBM since he was 20 years old. He started family young and really worked for his family. And it wasn't until he was in his 40s that he realized this dream of his that he had for making wine and picked it up and unfortunately he he continued his day job and had a hard time doing the most difficult part of winemaking which is selling it yeah um so he hung up his boots in 2010 that was his last vintage and from that moment i I saw how it affected him he he wanted to do that and it was still a love of his absolutely so we should be proud of you you know that's what our father is proud of now it's he couldn't push you know for uh, you know uh, investing and uh, sell more wine and all of that and have the kids take care of it but now uh, your father is probably proud of you because you are successful at what you do you know so, i'm thankful for him for yeah. exposing me to it yeah and yeah we, we picked up where he left off that's that's at the heart of this brand yeah. is picking up where and he, he must love getting in there you know on the crush pad with you and right does he does he get in the cellar with you and hang out and yeah he at least his opinion he's he's got more gray hairs than than black ones these days and uh, he'll be the first to say because we do a lot of uh, grape stomp we do a lot of whole cluster we do a lot of uh, physical pun, uh, breaking open the berries with our feet and he's like man 
This is time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does he do blends with you? or? Yeah, he, he yeah. always comes up for the summer blending and for bottles. It's got to be so, some cool yeah. dad son time. Yeah. And That's got to be really special. I'm sure it's really special for him, like, like Arnaud noted, to see you pick that up, do it. And you know, I'm sure you know, you're doing it better than him. I'm not saying if you do or not, but I'm saying he must. I, you think, you know, I, I think fathers love to see the, 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 you know, the, a little chip fall off and then they, they picked it up and like, yeah, I'm going to run with this. And then to even do it better, it's got to really warm his heart. I mean, I've never had his wines before, but I imagine, you know, you must make him feel really good to see that. He, I've only seen him tear up a couple times and yeah. uh, it's always been around wine and around this label. And when we're talking about what, what we're doing and yeah, that's uh, heavy, that's so cool. It's exactly what it's funny. With the, so many things we have in common yeah, uh, because absolutely. it's exactly what happened with my father. Yeah. And now uh, he's uh, super proud to see, uh, you know, Claude Solène, Bina, my brother, winemaker in Bordeaux, my sister having her own uh, uh, jewelry uh, brand and all of that. So he's super proud of his failure, but uh, the failure brings the succeeding of, of the of the kids, you know. Yeah. This awesome. white wine in the glass, this is Binom. What does Binom mean? So Binom, uh, <laughs> it took us quite a while to... Uh, Put the name on it. Uh, it means a project together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you actually spell it differently in French. Uh, it's uh, spelled B I N O M E. But uh, we did a phonetic translation this way. Uh, we didn't have, basically we didn't want to have the Americans butcher the word, so we we changed it a little bit. Um, and so uh, contrast, it's a white. Uh, you know that. Um, at the beginning, when uh, Guillaume and I wanted to make this white, uh, we, we thought about Chablis. Uh, we love Chablis with Guillaume, uh, nice and crisp Chardonnay. Um, California Chardonnay are a little bit more on the creamier side, bigger. So we wanted more on the fresher side. But since it was a um, lot of Chardonnay out there, we wanted to make it different. Uh, it's all about Binom. You will see the, the blend that we're going to try today, very unique blends, you know. And so in Europe, uh, we were not doing that. And so here, we have that kind of freedom. And so we blended it with Sauvignon Blanc uh, yeah. to bring more aromatic acid as well. Um, but he, ends, he, he ended up doing, a, we ended up having a white that is more on a fresher side with a beautiful texture. And so that's exactly what we wanted. Oh, wow. There's like a minerality to this that mm-hmm. just heightens everything. And I think it's hard to do minerality in a way that boasts rather than controls and i think you guys have achieved that really well talk about that a little bit what do you mean by that because minerality is a fun thing to get out of wines what do you mean it's hard to do the way you put that i think it can be domineering at times especially in whites because it is especially in something acidic it can tend to overlap or you know make it a little bit more angular yeah in a white way become Um, a kind of a tart acid mm-hmm. you know that's very like grippy uh, or here you have more that minerality saltiness uh, uh, that it's uh, coming out out of it and that's what that's what we love with this white you know it's a white that uh, not only you can enjoy it in the summer a little bit cooler but as well you let it warm up uh, like a red and uh, you can enjoy it in a, in a winter easily are there a lot of like people chiming in on your wines? Like because obviously you and your brother Bino belongs to you and your mm-hmm. brother Guillaume. Yeah, now let's do the whole thing right now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so Guillaume and Close Celine. Yeah, Guillaume and Celine, his wife. Yeah, Close Celine. Yeah. Now Guillaume, your brother, mm-hmm. used to work at La Ventura. Correct. La Ventura, Stefan Aseo. Yes. Stefan Aseo's daughter, Chloe Aseo. Yeah. You were married to Chloe Aseo. Yep. Chloe, you are known. Mm-hmm. Guillaume and Celine 
all have been known. Exactly. I mean, the wives are more uh, the our uh, great decision makers. Sometimes they give us their opinion. Uh, but we say the, the, the core of the core, it's uh, Guillaume and I. Guillaume handles the production. I handle the sales and marketing. Got it. Easy. But so everybody we knows do, there was an exquisite amount of hand gesturing going on to explain this. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's you need to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't have a whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, we, we do things together and, and I see more uh, like a synergy, you know, for me, uh, Guillaume and I communicate every day and um, uh, we do exchange on the production, but on the marketing side for Clo and Binom. And uh, that's how uh, Binom uh, is, uh, is successful today is uh, because of that, that, that force that each of us brings, you know, because, you know, uh, when you are a winemaker and you have to sell the wine, you cannot be everywhere at that time, you know. But here you have two brothers handling their side. So we are able to perform really well. It was really interesting when I had Guillaume and Stefan Seo Laventure yeah. together for an interview. Yeah. And I asked them both whether they found winemaking to be more a craft mm. or more art. Yeah. What do you think? Your, they had different opinions. Yeah. What do you think your brother said? And what do you think how he makes his wine? Do you think he's more craftsman oriented or more artistic? Uh, I would say, uh, shoot, I don't know what he answered. Um, I would say, uh, for me, uh, if he was for me, I would say it's an art. Maybe he, go, he went on that art, that direction. Uh, because, you know, especially when you make blends, uh, for me, putting them together, uh, it's an art, you know. And so, crafting as well, I mean, I would say it's uh, between both of them. Between yeah. both of them, yeah. Well, your winemaking, what do, you, what do you feel it is? I see it as craft. We work so hand-in-hand with our growers and and participants and then when it comes to barrels decisions and fermentation decisions the fact that there's so much note taking going on and so much replication and so much assessment on what the aftermath of your decisions were Mm -hmm. that what screams craft to me yeah honing your craft when you're sitting down and reviewing what you've done and what the result was yeah obviously you have that kind of base but on a yearly basis and especially with you guys, you probably are doing a lot of experiments. You know, you change your things and you keep changing. And for me, that goes more in the direction on the art. So mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. Yeah, and I love yeah, talking yeah. about this because you'll yeah. always get, you know, different answers. Yeah. And there's really, there's no wrong answer. It's how everybody, how yes, everyone yeah. approaches it's very it subjective, yeah. it's very subjectively and, and very differently. And a lot of times you do hear like, you know, this idea of, of this combo. So Nina, now you by day are the winemaker for Onyx, Drew. And obviously you're making your own wines. And I've been a, a fan and familiar with Onyx wines for a long time. And you, uh, it was Ricky, right? Came into the Liquid Lunch show on The Crush and brought me the Nino, some like oh, three or four of the Nino ones. And I had not tasted them. They are so different. They're so good, uh, but just in a different kind of character. So, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we talked about, I was talking recently to somebody who was telling me, um, who was, we were trying some wines and it wasn't, we were talking about a certain brand and it's not like the wines were bad, but they all just kind of tasted the same. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool because both of these brands here, and I've had many from uh, both of your brands, like they all have their own individual characters and different expressions of the fruit. So to taste Onyx wines, which, is, which are fantastic, and to taste Nina, I was like, oh damn, these are fantastic but in a different way right thank you i think any winemaker wants to explore a lot Mm -hmm. of different avenues of how and and the ways of making wine and to be able to scratch a proverbial winemaking itch Mm -hmm. uh, in different ways is a gift yeah i'm so thankful for so at onyx i get this gift of working with estates where we have micro control over all the farming and a lot of historical 
um, data to run off of in the way that we farm mm-hmm. and experiment in the vineyard so much more. And then also on top of that, in the winery, we work with over 20 different varieties and, and do blending all the time, which is maddening, but yeah. also <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun to see that the way that these uh, varietals play with each other. And then on the Ninao side, we get to hone in on single varietal, single vineyard designated stuff from different terroirs, from different microclimates in the Paso area. So we get to build relationships with farmers, individual farmers. We had mentioned John Rolfe, who um, has become a really great friend. And you get to meet people who are as passionate about the land that they work as we are about the wines that we put in the bottle. And and that it, there's such a synergy there. I think that's probably the most synergistic thing in winemaking is, and it's, there's a reason in France that there is zero separation between the winemaker and the vineyard. It's all one. Yeah. 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 It's all one. Because there, there has to be the synergy yeah. there. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. You know, like I asked Arno, what are those discussions like? In this case, you're the winemaker. Obviously, your brother-in-law maybe helped you in the cellar. Your sister, uh, wife. We, we all got a little bit of opinions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're all consulting winemakers at that point. But you're the one in there, and you're the one that's got the expertise. How do those conversations go when we're putting a blend together? Do they say, all right, tastes good, Drew? Or they're like, oh, I wish I had a little of this. And you're like, come on, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, they're super supportive. And whatever I want to do, for the most part, I get the green light on. Good. Uh, for yeah. better or worse. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we all know what the state of grape prices are in the area, and, yeah. and our exposure and ability to buy from better and better vineyards has only come more to fruition. And every time I call my brother-in-law, Mike, and go, uh, I was talking to Connor and Becca McMahon over at Full Draw, and they, they want mm-hmm. to sell us some fruit, and how much is it? Oh, well. <laughs> this yeah. right and, sure and they're like go for it yeah like, oh, okay yeah. all right so because yeah, those money decisions everyone's got to get on board for yeah and that and those grapes are are worth the price oh yeah always yeah. and yeah. it's i think a lot of people who aren't necessarily in the industry may look at that and not understand mm-hmm. that and to work with people who are that are trusting mm-hmm. and um allow are we up in crazy it. levels yet like per time like we're not in five figures yet are we no no we're, we're, we're definitely under Don't five say that Because, yeah, 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 knock on wood, right? <laughs> I hear about some of the great prices that my aunt will have to deal with up in Napa. Oh, I can't even imagine. It makes my head twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 a ton, right? For like a cab. Or, their cheapest stuff. Yeah, wow. Yeah, you are, uh, you are over that now. Huh? Mm-hmm. You are like Ooh. 50, 60. Uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. Yep. But they base their price of the ton based on how much the, pr- the, the producer, the winemaker, is going to sell his bottle for. Mm-hmm. So, right. Ah. Oh, see, that's interesting. Yeah. Is that fair? Because that's the way it is at the market. Yes, because, you know, I mean, the farmer is the guy that does most of the job. Yeah, it's know? true. Obviously, the winemaker is going to the vineyard and give him the advice on how he wants the grape to end up. But do people do that here, you think? I mean, Sell I based he, on that? Guillaume does. He's on their ass, you know? Yeah. He, oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, it's not that because he trusts them. It's just because he wants to uh, be a part and help and communicate with the farmer uh, uh, and how he wants the grapes to end up. So he he wants to make sure he's pretty much consulting in some... In, well, in a way, it's like you're the customer. Yeah. You're the client. And, you know, especially with this idea, that synergy that Drew mentioned a second ago of like between the winemaker and the grower, I was talking to John Munch and Ishka, right? I mean, they have a really good synergy. But, I mean, that's a relationship that has to gel and has to be right. Yeah. Because um, at one point... You know, you can bear it down and just strip it all down to like, all right, here's a customer and here's a seller of a, of a product. And yeah. uh, that customer wants it to be, you know, turns out they know a thing or yeah. two yeah. about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And they want it to be like, 
Exactly. You know? Yeah. But for me, the credit goes to all the farmers. All the farmers. Yeah. Because, because of them, uh, we are making beautiful whites. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's How my favorite part about the Nino brand is working with those farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and lining your priorities and yeah. looking back at what you did and trying new things together. Exactly. Yeah. What's the next wine? Is this an Onyx wine? Yes. Oh, cool. Let's uh, talk about this one. So this is the 2018 Praetorian. This is definitely a crowd favorite. And trying to identify a wine that expresses the the blending that we do there this was perfect because the focus here with praetorian is texture it's all about texture it's all about ageability so we start with tempranillo which is one of the most textured grapes in the area and i mean from a non-rhone standpoint one of the most diverse and interesting grapes in the area in my opinion i agree so we start there um and then we build off of that we put in some malbec which has very coating um, and very luscious tannin as opposed to the tense and, and more uh, gritty tannin of Tempranillo. Um, it also has a lot of acid, which counterbalances Tempranillo, which mm -hmm. tends to be a little bit lacking in that. Uh, Petite Syrah, which is extremely broad and lifted, so it lifts and separates all of those different flavors. And then Zinfandel adds a little bit of extra punch of flavor. And a little punch of Paso. Yeah. Exactly. That's cool. How much Zin is in here? It, 5%. You guys make a, a Zin Zin? We do one called Brash, which is uh, Zin. Mainly Zin or all of it Zin? It's usually 75%. Cool. Yeah. So is it a fun one to work with? It's challenging. <laughs> yeah. One of my first uh, professional jobs when I was in child labor, um, after I got out of college, uh, I got hooked up with Larry Turley um, and, and bounced between Turley and St. Helena and down here in, in Paso. Damn, that's an education right there, huh? It was, yeah. it was a crash course. Aaron Jordan was the winemaker at the time, so I got to um, learn from him a bit. And Tegan was working there at the time, got to bounce off him. And then Carl, of course, is still a dear friend. Yeah, we had him on the podcast and went through some Turley stuff. Obviously amazing. Yeah. Zinfandel legacy. Cool. Big mentor of mine. And when it comes to Great. working with Zin and its challenges, he's, he's always the first one. Now, for someone who you know, may have heard this on the podcast, we're talking about a cluster that when you harvest it, it looks like a big little football player, big shoulders. And um, often there could be green grapes. You flip it over, there could be raisins. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that's a tough... That's a tough cluster to work with. Yeah, a lot of hand sorting. I think that's the best way to go about it. How much of it do you have to sort out? Do you not want to over sort it? Because look, that's in. That's the that's the terroir. That's what we were given. Or is it like, no, man, we, we gotta can't have the ultra greens, can't have the ultra wrinklies. We gotta we gotta move on. You definitely are much more sensitive to the green clusters. Mm -hmm. That was a big lesson for me at Turley on the sorting line. I'm sitting there and they're telling me to pull out and grapes and I, I started pulling out some of the like pretty raisin you know ones or dried dried up ones and um and i had some one of one of the cellar workers put his hand on mine and go you leave that one in there <laughs> okay right sure i mean because we're talking about some of the body some of the character some of the the, the lusciousness yeah the zinniness yeah the zinniness right yeah <laughs> that sinful zinfulness yeah this was a really good wine. what do yeah. you like about this wine or no i love it because uh, not only you have a lot of power in it uh, a lot of darkness the beautiful freshness that's coming out of it. Like you said, texture-wise, it's awesome texture, good meat palette. Uh, Well-balanced wine. Good job. Yeah, really good. This is a fun one. This is a real popular one in Onyx, huh? Yeah, especially with the geeks, uh, the wine geeks of the world. Um, it, whenever we do any winemaker dinners or go out of town um, to do something in L.A., 
this is always on the menu and the chef always cannot decide what to pair it with because <laughs> it really could pair with pretty much anything. All yeah. Together. That's the 18 or 19. This is the 18. 18. I'm hearing yeah. 19s are like crazy awesome. Sneaky good. Yeah. Both I mean, vintages. Uh, I mean, uh, pr I have a preference on the 19, uh, but that's a very similar kind of vintages. Beautiful we're, really, we're really not drinking red 19s yet. Not yet. Right? Whoa. We are at Binham. Are you really? You yeah. got some red 19s? Not on the table, uh, but we are pouring it in the test room since uh, May. That means things are going well. Yeah. That means, yeah. yeah. And this, how much of that is um, you're doing it because, you know, obviously Guillaume wants to, or how much of that is just because, man, we're selling out. We need to have some wine in the tasting room. Yeah, but, you know, it's, uh, it was either we uh, pour rosé and white for six months or close the test room, which I really don't want, mm -hmm. and uh, or pour the 19s. So... We make sure they are uh, well opened. You know, we pop them the day before or we decant them. Uh, so we do uh, whatever we can to make them more approachable in the testing room. But Does he ever say, look, I'm not ready for that? And you're like, well, no, we are ready for that. We got to do it. Like, is that ever a push and pull thing? No, he, he kind of follows uh, what uh, what I said. And in the same time, he, he's, uh, he, uh, he agreed on it. You know, it's like, well, we have to pull the red, so let's put them in, you know. Mm -hmm. The good thing is with Binum. We try to make the wines uh, more approachable, so some of them are uh, from the get-go almost ready to go. We say, you I know? love that. Yeah, yeah. So and 19 is a far more approachable vintage in its youth than yeah. than 18 was. That's yeah. interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm just hearing so many good things about 19. Yeah. So the fact that we we got one here, uh, 19, no, but we can put it out. I, I would love to yeah. taste yeah. what a 19 yeah. red looks like in a little bit. That's awesome. Well, this Onyx one is fun, and it must be fun to obviously, you know, have like you talked about that. I love the way you put it, scratching that wine itch. I mean, obviously your family and Onyx. I mean, I've done like winemaker dinners. With you and you know you, we've had you on like at the fair and stuff and obviously that crew uh, loves you and loves what you're about and you got that whole side but then you got this you know this other passion and this other thing that you're doing that's uh, equally as important but just a lot different but a lot more closer to the heart yeah and Onyx is very much a team effort um, again from my background I, I grew up drinking Napa Valley Cabernets mm -hmm. and yeah. sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> I know very privileged on that I recognize that um, but and then. Our assistant winemaker, Lily, is, has a background in Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, worked in New Zealand and Oregon, and uh, Lauren also has a very austere palate, our enologist, and it's more, I would say these wines express who we are as a winemaking team mm -hmm. as a whole, as opposed to me, and and I love that fact about mm -hmm. it. No. I think we all have ownership of what we're putting out there, and the sum of its parts is better. It's They make the wines better. Was it tough to, when you knew that Nina wanted to do a rosé, you're like, I gotta make this, it's gotta be at least as good as, I mean, Onyx is known for having a badass rosé. Yeah. You gotta, this at least gotta measure up. If not, it's gotta be better. It's, it's kind of infuriating when your rosé is your most popular wine, but it's, it's, yeah. it's, well, but I mean, it's damn good. But aren't rosés, I mean, I've talked to a lot of winemakers, rosés, like, shoot, they're not easy to make. Yeah. And it was culty too. When I first started there, it was like 300, 400 cases of the Indie Rosé and it would sell out in three to four months. And it was, Is it a little it bit piss you off? We're like, come on, I'm making some really complex reds <laughs> and you guys are just drinking up the Rosé and like, that's our biggest seller. Like, come on guys. A little, but then, and then I really dug into that style of, of Rosé and, and learning how to make that. And yeah. there was, there's a lot to it and there's a lot of complexity to, in a lot of ways to, to mix it yeah. up and make variety. Rosé, it's a palette pleaser. It's a party one. 
design, it's less expensive. I mean, it's there is so many points why it's. I mean, for us too, we sell a lot of rosé, and uh, we sell more than the reds. Um, and I mean, it's it's a wine that, especially in California, you enjoy all year long. You yeah, know, exactly. You don't, you don't need to age. Right. It's like the white, you know, same thing. You know, I mean, you could age the white, but the rosé, it's meant to be drunk now, uh, and yeah. so that's why uh, there is. That kind of uh, is there almost a benefit to rosé for the smaller brands like Binome and like Ninao, where you know it it helps cover costs a little bit. Like you're getting some you're getting some quicker return. You're getting some you know people selling out cases of wine at a time when maybe your your, your reds aren't there yet or even your whites aren't there yet. Is there an aspect of rosé that kind of helps bridge the gap in a way? For sure. And I think yeah. it's less intimidating than a lot than a lot of other things, and it's beautiful to look at too. Mm-hmm. And I, it's the same thing with this rosé, with uh, the Ninao rosé. It's that beautiful. We, we released it on Mother's Day this year, and we're already halfway sold out yeah. of it. And, yeah. uh, and I, would, I would describe it, because rosé is always fun uh, by the color. And this is like in no way like dark or Tavel, but it's not like your super platinum salmon either. It's almost like it's closer to the platinum salmon, but it's almost got a little bit of, of assertiveness in its pink. We so we knew we were using Grenache. Yeah, I've seen course. other winemakers use Grenache, and it looks like Grenache Blanc. You're right, yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of anxiety <laughs> about not uh, about making it actually have color, and also the the indie rosé is very heady in aromatics and flavorful. Uh, wanted to make something a rosé that was a bit more textural mm-hmm. on this end, so. Uh, we did 24 hours of skin soak and and foot smash before we threw it in the press. And oh, nice! So that's where the color comes from. Was that that? Do you colors. you winemakers and you brands? Do you stress on the color of your rosé when in, in its final? You know, oh, do you kind of go like, oh, it's the color, or is it like, come on, the color doesn't matter. Just taste the damn rosé. Oh no, it stresses me out. What about does you? it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, especially when you are going on a darker. Uh, here, you know, with Binum, we are on the lighter side. But when you reach a darker side, especially when you incorporate Syrah, which we don't do here, and uh, Nina on the two, uh, it brings the color way darker. So, yeah, definitely stress it out. Well, it's funny because I talked to a dude who is in, in the area, made a rosé, left it on the press, or left it on the skins a little bit longer than he had planned, than he wanted. And then, yeah, you have, you know, what's akin to like a Tavel mm-hmm. kind of style coloring of your rosé. And, you know, of course, the. You spin it a little bit in the tasting room, and oh, we just wanted to try it. But privately, he's like, "Man, I just, mm. yeah, you know, because you do, you, you do love that, that that pink drink. You know what I mean? That pink drink. I look at the color every single day, and do you really? I stress about, I stress out about it until it's in the bottle. That's for me personally. But at the end, the most important thing, like you said, it's uh, people enjoying it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you do. Uh, what did you just pour from Binom? So I just. I am saying that right, right? Yeah, Binom. Binom. Yeah, you did good. Uh, say Binom. 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 <laughs> that sounds. Uh, no, I'm not gonna say it. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that's Muse. Uh, by the way, that's uh, the label that uh, Chloe, my wife, designed. Wow. Uh, she did it in uh, in two days. She did a pretty good job. I still it's really elegant. The coloring is cool. It's really like earthy and natural. It says uh, all capital letters Binom across. But then there's like this fracturing that goes throughout that's textured and it almost looks like the earth it looks like the ground you'd be walking over it's actually the west side paso map oh is it really the the fracture you see here it's the 101 and then you have all the roads that's so cool that leads to all the vineyard resource from because we uh so that's like the willow creek area 
Willow Creek, you have uh, Adelaida, you have... No uh, way. Yeah, yeah, you have uh, pretty much all of them. Clever. Go, Chloe. Yeah, no, she did a pretty awesome job. Yeah. Pretty awesome job. Okay, so what's Muse? What's so uh, in Muse this blend? It's, uh, the third one, Guillaume and I uh, made... Um, we are a big fan of Clio, which is a Spanish uh, wine down south of uh, Spain. It's a blend of Cabernet Mourvedre. Um, and so we wanted to kind of replicate that because uh, it fitted our, our brand, which is Cabernet and Cabernet blends. So here you have a blend of Cabernet mainly with uh, Mourvedre and, and Syrah at 4%, which is 2018. That's a beautiful wine. When you taste this one, Drew, what do you get? What do you like about it? I like the fact that there's so much fresh fruit on the nose, but when it gets on the palate, it is dark natured. The, mm-hmm. the texture is complete. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the hardest things with Paso wine sometimes is to create that extremely full body mm-hmm. with freshness on top of it. And whenever I taste um, our notes wines, I'm made by Guillaume, obviously, but um, they're so well balanced start to finish. Thank you. So much depth to them, too. I, I love a wine that. I can sit there and, and stick my nose in and, and taste. And, sure, uh, right, of course. Uh, Solène, uh, family, uh, people loves it. You know, they're like, oh, you've been to Claude, you've been to Lavenger, you haven't been to Binom. So at the end, I'm the winner because I'm the less known of those two brands. Right. And so they brought me a lot more people than I do, um, but which is, which is amazing, you know. Well, you're a lucky dude because you have this beautiful brand with your brother, Binom. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, your brother, Claude Solène, mm-hmm. your lovely wife, and her father, Laventure. Yeah. Your brother in law, yeah. Julian Aseo. Yeah. Uh, fantastic chef, La Petite Canaille. Yeah. I mean, should we all be this charmed uh, to, uh, <laughs> to grow up as Arno? You forgot something. My mother in law has a shop. Oh, but, uh, and B? Yeah, and B with. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you have Andrea, which is uh, her best friend. Uh, they started this. Uh, it was before uh, Julian opened his restaurant, 2010 or 12. Sorry if I... His restaurant's killing it too, huh? He's killing it. He's, he's doing, doing so well. He's a talented guy. Uh, My favorite spot. Yeah. My, yeah, all the winemakers love often, it. often. Uh-huh. Uh, beautiful food, uh, great vibe, great wine list. I, mean, mm-hmm. I love him because he was able to, obviously this, you know, a chef with a ton of acumen and um, great culinary expertise, and then really blended it with what he knew of being in Paso. Yeah. And that's with a lot of approachability a lot of you know but you don't you don't see doesn't sacrifice any of the of the high-end feeling that you get from eating the cuisine exactly but it still has got this threading of paso throughout i think it's so important you bring that kind of um, you know french bistro when you go to a bistro in france it's generous you know you have the classic uh, stuff and then you bring that kind of gastro style into his uh, plate which is for me amazing because you have generous plate with a final and precision stuff, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. It's weird because I moved here for radio and I didn't know at the time that I would have was going to stay. And normally in radio or in the entertainment, even in like TV, or you'll, you'll go from market to market and ideally getting into a bigger market, bigger market, you know? But w- there was a time when I was just like, man, the area here is so mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, the people are so great. The scene is exactly what I want. And I don't want to go. I'm going to figure out how to be the best at what I do here, hopefully, and try and make it work here. So I know it's not an easy area, you know, to to like say, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to make it on the Central Coast because it's a it's an area a lot of people vacation at. It is not easy to to just do it, you know. And Paso had a very different complexion when I first moved oh, yeah. up here and it was the middle of the recession and there was a lot of blank stores in downtown Paso. So the last 
seven, eight years seeing the mm-hmm. transformation of downtown and the evolution of the wineries and the expansion and Tin City. Yeah. The energy in Tin City is what brought me here. Now let's talk about Tin City because we are in Tin City right now. Uh, Onyx is in Tin City. Binome is in Tin City. And where are you making you now? So when we started working with Connor and Becca McMahon out at Full Draw, uh, we started buying Syrah and Grenache and I was looking at the vineyard with Connor and he was like, you know, I got this brand new facility and I have a little bit of room. Do you want to make it here? Great. I don't think, I think I said yes before you finished that question. The sentence, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Especially working with Connor. Yeah, yeah right. Connor's a great guy, Becca. Awesome. They're just yeah. awesome people, awesome wines, definitely know what they're doing. And I'm here during the day and, uh, and then I'm there in the evenings or early mornings. So yeah. I remember asking Connor at the end of last vintage, uh, you know, how'd it go? Like, is everything good? Are we, are we good? Yeah. And he was like, it's great. I never saw you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the vibe of Tin City. Uh, Tin City is a brand where you could have people walk, I mean, an area where you can have people walking around, they're getting their drink on, they're having fun, they're going from a beer to, to wine to cider, maybe they're at McPhee's Canteen, getting some wine shine on. Both of you have um, really elevated brands. Uh, how do you like being in Tin City? What is the vibe here that you like and that represents Binham? But I think uh, Tin City, it's all about young winemakers, up and coming, low production, super hype people. Uh, and so that's what excites us because we are uh, all young and we want to have that are part of the cake, I would say, of Paso Robles, and we want to show we are making great wines. That's why it makes, you know, Tin City beautiful. And on the top of that, now you have a restaurant, a creamery, cider, you have beer. I mean, it's expanded so much, you know, and so... Yeah, people could be walking around, and all yeah, of a sudden you, you can, hear, beep, yeah, you beep, can your beep, car and, and there's a, here's a forklift coming yeah, your way. Yeah, exactly. It's a working yeah, area, though, too. Exactly. During harvest, oh, it's yeah, don't even try it. traffic, plus the cars, you know, so... Yeah, right. No, it's a good vibe. Uh, it's a really good vibe to see all those young winemakers succeeding and and um, greeting those people because on the weekend here it's Disneyland. Yeah. It's Disneyland. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I've been to like a uh, wine shine a few times or yeah. you, anywhere. You know, it's, just, it's nuts here. Yeah. And you might, do, what is it, by appointment here or what? Yeah, we are by appointment since the beginning because we don't have enough wine. So we, we want to make sure we give a beautiful experience to, uh, to each of the customers that comes in. Yeah. So we are hosting during the week one appointment per hour and a half, two appointments on the weekend per hour and a half. And that, that's good for us, you know, for now. Yeah. But the good thing with this winery uh, is we are able now to a small tasting when we grow. So so we have the VIP where we are. We have two spots in the test room, two spots outside. So we are able to host five testing per hour and a half if we want to. Yeah. But right now we try to limit and with COVID and all of that. So we are in a good, uh, good track right now. If you just pass Binom and you'll run into Onyx. What do you like about the vibe here? I love the people. I mean, the the producers, like Arnold said, was it could be filled a neighborhood full of uh, jerks and it'd be a very different place. Uh, But the reality is, you know, for whatever serendipity, there's some pretty amazing people here. When we first moved in, in 2015, uh, Brian Benson was incredibly helpful through all Mm -hmm. that. And uh, it was very give and take being right next to each other and and helping each other out all the time. Now with Riley uh, Hubbard over at Hubba, that's Mm -hmm. only continued more. She's beautiful human being I yeah. really yeah she really helped Audrey and I made a half ton of peak pool in 18 oh there was a Desperada yeah, yeah. De- at Desperada and of course Riley was there then and you know Valia Riley and all the gals there are just like incredible people I love Riley yeah that's people like Valia and, and what she's built over there that is just very encompassing of what Tin City yeah. is Brett Brett Ernest at Levo has oh, yeah. become a 
a really good friend um, and Jacob and Kelly Toft yeah. and, and Fizzle over there yeah. are amazing, <laughs> amazing people. So if it wasn't for that, that cadre of folk intensity, it wouldn't be what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, uh, but when you see Jacob and uh, Riley, they all came from L'Aventure and yeah. Stefan was telling me the other day, I'm proud to see all those new brands uh, uh, that I helped, you know, train yeah. and be part of. Inspired in a way. Yeah, that inspire them to, to, to create something. So it's good to see that, you know. So uh, we are just, like I said, at the beginning of, uh, of it. So Absolutely. Are you familiar with Of Mice and Men? Oh, yeah. There's a character, Lenny, in there. I always feel like when I have these glasses, your glasses are so beautiful and delicate. I feel like Lenny, like I'm going to break it because my hands are so, you know, like these are super good too. I like the Thank cool you. and warm climate influence on both. That so, Syrah was pretty. What do you like about that Syrah? 99 steps. Uh, when it came to starting the brand, this was where my mind went immediately. One thing that had to be in the portfolio, which was uh, Westside Syrah. It was, it's what I was enamored with. It was the muse of, of Paso wine uh, coming in the area and, and tasting Justin Smith's wines. And, and Matt Trevison actually and I grew up in the same hometown. So oh, wow. I experienced oh. uh, when I was working at Turley, Carl and, and Matt are good friends. And he exposed me to some incredible Syrahs back then. Uh, so that was the first place I went. And the only person that would give me a contract uh, our very first year in 2017 was Steve Gleason out at the Four Lanterns property. Um, nice. And it's some amazing... Great guy. Like, 80s, like planted back in the 80s by Randall Graham Syrah up uh-huh. that hill. Uh, it made amazing wine. Uh, the problem is that there's a dirt road, a really steep dirt road to get to the top of it. Yeah. And I actually was living out of my car at the time. And uh, I had my life in the back. And every time I tried to take my little Tacoma up the hill, it would slide out. You were literally sleeping in the car. Yep. Damn. <laughs> It's like Jewel. That's like some, some rush. <laughs> Jewel, I'm, I'm basically Jewel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you would you would literally like lose your footing on the road. Yeah, I could never get up it, so I'd always have to back down, get out of my car, and walk up this hill. Oh, and brutal. After like the twelfth time of walking up this hill, I counted how many steps it took me, and that was ninety nine. So that's the reason. No way. Yeah, that's a great story. Steps. That is great a really story. cool story. Yeah. There's something about a really sexy and pretty 100 percent Syrah. Mm-hmm. You know. I think of like um, one of my favorites is like the Block B from Epic. Uh, When you have there's a real sexy Syrah like that, it is really really cool. What are you pouring now, uh, Mister Arnaud? So we're on the Hawk. Hawk, it's uh, our latest wine that we uh, put together with my brother. Uh, It's a Carignan uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, this year it's less Carignan, but it's Cabernet Sauvignon Syrah and Carignan. We're hearing a lot more about Carignan. Yeah, it's coming back. And uh, Carignan and Syrah are definitely uh, grapes that we grew up with in the Languedoc. So, you know, we where you went, you went in Bordeaux on the west side. Uh-huh. And the orange uh, on the map, that's the Languedoc. Right. That's where Carignan uh, was uh, used by my parents, my grand-grandparents. And we use Syrah as well, which is a cool climate Syrah. From Spanish Spring next to Pismo, and Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, from Paso. And the cool thing about this wine is you have Carignan from Mendocino, which is up north. Mm-hmm. The cool climate Syrah from uh, Spanish Spring, and the Cabernet from Paso. But basically, it was an homage to our native region, which kind of joined uh, the Spanish wine. Priorat has a little Carignan, Syrah, Grenache, Cabernet, and we do love uh, Spanish wine. So. 
I uh, love the different blends in here because, I mean, Spanish Springs, for someone who might not know, yeah. you're talking like a mile and a yeah. half from the ocean out of Pismo Beach. Yeah. Really high-end fruit. A lot of great winemakers yeah. are, are playing with yeah. it. That's so cool. I didn't know you were using any of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I love uh, I love uh, Spanish Spring, and I uh, push Guillaume to get more, but he told me he cannot get enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love I love this uh, the like the Benyan at Sindo Shiraz uh, cool climate characteristic and that's what I like about uh, juice wine as well it's I love cool climate Shiraz yeah so, well you think of like uh, what Nicole is doing at Stolo yeah, yeah. you know like yeah. that that Cambria or that North yeah. Coast fruit I mean it's just beautiful Shiraz what do you like about this wine Drew the contrast mm-hmm putting the the nose in the palate but in general the portfolio of wines you had mentioned it earlier how it needs it's different than close to lane and i i see that so mm-hmm. much in this portfolio i see you mm-hmm. in them and and much like at onyx where there's this effort of blending varieties mm-hmm. that typically wouldn't be put together because they can provide a lot for each other that exploration yeah and so it's so California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Can you say California for me, Arnold? California. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. What do you think about when you watch? I mean, you have a, a lot to do with the, the growth of Paso, with all the different familial connections we talked about earlier. And you see what you know driving through downtown Paso now, and like you know market the market walk, and yeah, there's, there's so much going on now. What do you uh, what do you take in? When I uh, came here and I started working at law, uh, you know, law really teach uh, taught me a lot of things. And so I'm very thankful uh, of them for uh, helping me, uh, you know, uh, getting established here. On the top of that, they let me start Binom while I was uh, working over there. Uh, but more importantly, uh, with uh, with the the, the, the Paso Robles, it's it's amazing how things pop out like mushrooms. You know, you have the Paso Robles Market Walk now that is you know on the 2022 20, Street. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see that between the downtown and and the Paso Robles Market Walk, things popping out uh, because it's that's a great attract- point, yeah, no? right? Attracting a lot of business right. on that route, you know. And so restaurant wise and all of that, we. Well, like I said, you know, it's just the beginning of Paso Robles development. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about Paso, Drew? What's so special about it to you? The people here. Again, I, going from 2011 when I first started coming to the area to now, the people have really come together and the community has come together through thick and And I love the fact that I have people in my phone book that I can call when I need something. And I know I know Arnaud will, will help me out if I need it. So <laughs> Try to. As long as it's not a babysitter, thing. right? <laughs> he doesn't need more kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yes. We will make more. <laughs> so what did we just pour now? This looks like a 2015 little library wine. So that's wine. our original vintage. Uh, so really? I taste it because it's been a while. Uh, I need to call Guillaume because he's going to be mad if he doesn't <laughs> taste it. Um, 100% cab. So, Origine is the first wine Guillaume and I decided to make because of the time in Bordeaux. But as well, like I said, you know, Westside Passo, fruit, uh, uh, wineries are more driven by, uh, by Rhone. Uh, but when you find the perfect spot, um, such as the vineyard we source from, for cab, you can make exceptional cabs. So, you are not going to taste a cab from Napa, not a cab from Bordeaux. We are kind of uh, in between. I would say uh, I would say more uh, uh, very warm year in Bordeaux uh, we be more driven by that and so we we try to make that classic Cabernet Sauvignon uh, not over extracted concentrated too dark too thick we want more softness on this Cabernet Sauvignon so this is a wine that is um, that has six years so you're gonna you're already in the color you see some sort of aging mm-hmm. uh, I tasted it this morning what's the vineyard here so here it's Hoxion 
100%. In 15, uh, I hope I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in 15, it's 100% Oxium, which is in next to Halter Ranch and Tablas Creek. One of the highest, uh, it's around 1900 feet of elevation. Beautiful guy, uh, Kit. Uh, Kit is doing an amazing job uh, growing his vineyard, and we are sourcing since the beginning with him. Uh, for Cab, we are now using Parish, we are now using Gateway, and other uh, other vineyards to uh, for our Cab program. Let's talk about how we could taste both of your wines. Benomwines.com is the website. B E N. O-M, and that's how you taste here. You need an appointment to do it. I definitely recommend. Well, once you're in the, the tasting room and you see that window behind Maxime, uh, that's the room that we're in right now. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah. Is it educational? What are you going to call this room? Your, well, uh, I don't know yet. Uh, the Where Wine Takes You podcast you have an idea? room. Yeah, they call it. It's where, it's where the Wine Takes <laughs> podcast Should we call it Adam's room? There we go. Yeah, Adam's room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful place. Uh, Ninao Wines, Ninao Family Wines, and Ninao is N E now. N E N O W, NinaoFamilyWines.com. And I'm sure the website will always have um, ways you can taste, ways you can enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. If you come to town, hit us up. Um, we are a really small production, like our node. Um, we only do about six to 700 cases every year. Um, we just opened in March of 2020, which uh, that was always the plan March of 2020, and then March of 2020 happened. And- <laughs> Damn, dude. We were just talking about, like, the member we were talking about 08 and, like, the, the recession. Like, and some people were like, oh, we're opening it. Yeah. Here we are, March of 2020. We, yeah. had two, we had two vintages of wine in bottle and lock, shot, and loaded, ready to go. So we didn't really, we didn't have a choice. And yeah, you know, we were your 18s. Like, do it. Good for you. 17s. We sold, yeah. we sold completely out of nice. our first vintage of wines in the first 10 months. Dude, that's amazing. Good uh, job. How'd you do that? Because no one could come taste your wines. Yeah. <laughs> Good we, for you. We, we launched the club as well. That's all we could do was the website and the club in March and had a resounding response to that. Yeah. Um, and in the beginning, it was only like Governor Newsom's wines could be sold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else, though. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it was so much fun to, to talk to you guys and to have you both here. I mean, both of you guys just have such a, a different background and different like situation here, but there's so many similarities and that's yeah. what was so cool to see both of you gentlemen be able to like, Thank you. you know, share your differences, but also see the similarities and that run like deeply within both of you it was really neat for me. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for having us. It's definitely a pleasure. You can come anytime, taste our wines, party together. Yeah, for uh, sure. We'd love to have you. Oh, I would love to grab a drink with you and hang out with both of you gentlemen. Yeah. And uh, do you have fun, Drew? Loved it. I love this podcast. Honestly, I've, I've been listening to it for some time now. And yeah, and, and the PRWCA, I want to give a shout out to PRWCA. Yeah. Please do. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I, I've talked, we've bought grapes from down in Santa Barbara a lot. And, and to hear the folks from that community talk about our PR our community uh, and, yeah. and what they do for us. And it's special. The yeah. people that run it there, um, are, are extremely Joel, uh, Chris. Chris yeah. writes amazing articles. Yeah. I'm, I'm always blown away by that. And, and yeah, Jen. Jen. Um, there's a lot more than that too, but they, sure, no, they do but an amazing job. They do a fantastic job. And it's interesting you bring up the Santa Barbara aspect of it because I remember interviewing on The Crush, a winemaker from Santa Barbara County, and he, he was like literally what the cohesion and the camaraderie that the Passover's Wine Country Alliance fosters for all of the members and what they do and how they market the area so well. Absolutely. It is literally why people, and this is his voice, it's literally why people will drive up from LA past mm-hmm. us yeah. 
to go to Paso. Yeah. Yeah. And that's him saying that. And if you talk to a lot of different winemakers down there, there's a little bit of disjointed kind of aspects of, of their version of what we do. And I'm, you know, we hope that they'll dial it in. There's beautiful wines there, as we all know. Some some great wines down there. But there's something very special. There's a special Quan uh, recipe. And the people have a lot to do with it. But what Paso wine is doing is just magic. Well, I'm glad that you said that. I mean, they're the ones that partner with me to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thrilled to be doing this and just love the heart and the, the will that they have. So I'm that, certainly glad you brought that up. That is why I've appreciated this podcast so much is because yeah. I think there's a lot of things that I've missed through COVID, but yeah. one of them has been those industry gatherings and the, the yeah. trade shows and the things to, to see our fellow winemakers and, and catch up with them. And I've gotten to hear them in my in my headphones while I'm, you know, building my COVID garden and like <laughs> doing all these things and like, like hearing Anthony a couple of weeks ago. That was great. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, what'd I, you like about that one? I like the, the consulting. I grew up around consulting winemakers. So, um, that's definitely a dream. Um, so to hear and Emily and Amy, uh, is, is a legend. So absolutely. It, it's great to hear those. Yeah. Carignan Carignan legend. Legend. Yeah, yeah. The carrying on legend, right? Oh, I'm so glad you said that and, uh, and so glad you're enjoying it. Well, I can't thank you gentlemen both enough for, for having me. There's a, a lot more wine we can get into. But now off I don't, air, you but can't leave. I'm not going to, no, no, I'm going to go. You're not getting no, me out of here. We still got more you're wine. You're going to go to markets. So the market is here and you don't leave. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not going anywhere. Cheers. I'm here with Pasto. I love it. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, guys. So give me that moonshine. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Wow. And thanks again to Arnaud and Drew for the conversations. And next time you're visiting, pay them a visit and let them know you heard them on where wine takes you and that wine well, took you there. Now for today's Travel Paso Spotlight, I'm excited to shed some light on the arts. I have loved Studios on the Park for years. They are simply your art destination in Paso. They're located downtown, obviously on the park, on Pine Street between 11th and 12th. They're a nonprofit open studio Art Center. They have fantastic exhibits from local artists. And I mean, you think people here can make wine? We have a talented bunch of people. I mean, look at, I just look at our amazing local musicians, like the ones we feature here on the podcast, Moonshiner Collective. I mean, the Central Coast has some magnificently talented artists, and they're featured here, all different resident artists, jewelry, woodworking. Uh, there's truly something for everyone. And again, all by local artists. September 4th is cool. They're going to be opening their newest exhibition. They're calling it Luminous Lightscapes. It's like a glass show. All different kinds of glasswork. Blown glass, mosaic, you name it. If you can do it with glass and make it artsy, it's going to be featured. They're going to be pouring some wines. And they do every Saturday night. Go there, get a glass of wine, check out some local art. It is a scene. It is so cool. I love the vibe there. All the money goes to the kids' art program. They're a nonprofit. Open Sunday through Thursday from 12 to 4, Friday and Saturday, 12 to 9. So you can go get your art on while you're hanging out. You can learn more at studiosonthepark.org. And thanks to Sarah, who is the executive director of Studios, for the great conversation and being a fan of the podcast. The feeling is mutual, as I'm a fan of your work as well. Studiosonthepark.org. You can also find the Travel Paso link on our website, pasowine.com, or you can link to them, travelpaso.com, to get the latest on your next visit, your next stay here as well. Wow. Are we there already? Man, I love hanging with you here. All these episodes, they go by way too quick. Got some real fun ideas. 
for some future episodes. I'm excited to connect with you again very soon. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Where Wine Takes You is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music by the one and only Dan Curcio of Moonshiner Collective. Learn more about his music wherever you listen to music and just search for Moonshiner Collective. All right. Follow Paso Wine on your socials at Paso Wine on Insta. You can follow me, hit me up, or just check out pics from behind the scenes on these shows by following me at Adam on the Air on Instagram. Next time you're hanging on the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio up and Adam in the morning, weekday mornings on Coast 104.5 and Wine Country Radio, the Cork Dorks and more, the Crush 92.5. Both those stations, you can stream them from anywhere. And next time you're planning that trip, you got to visit PasoWine.com. It's essential. It's mandatory browsing. Hit up PasoWine.com. Really will help you plan your next adventure out here. And until then, lift that glass up high. Whatever it's filled with, be well find joy connect with the world around you and enjoy where wine takes you and give me that sound get bowing pass on down till the job is camp out in the trees it will simplify good come give me that sound get bowing pass on down till the job is camp out in the trees it will simplify good come give me that sound get bowing pass on down till the job is out in the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.